0: Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life.
1: ...elements in the AFL and the wider world of sport. This is your one-stop shop for the next hour. And if you haven't had the chance to have your say today about something from the weekend that has stayed with you, left an impression on you, annoyed you. The lines are open all show up until 7pm. three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 or 433 98 1116 if the temper takes your fancy. On Twitter, we can be found at attimeonscn, but let's start here like we do each and every week with the Bulletin Board. Paddy McCartan sent straight to the VFL Tribunal for that off-the-ball punch to the head of Geelong's Aaron Black in the VFL on Saturday. The incident was assessed as intentional, severe impact and high contact, and the hearing will take place tomorrow night. Sydney superstar Lance Franklin and co-captain of the Swans, Dane Rampey, are both... Strong chances to return from injury to face ladder leader Melbourne at the MCG on Saturday night. The Indian Premier League bubble has burst. Reports tonight that Aussie star Pat Cummins has tested positive to COVID-19. And that, as a result, tonight's Kolkata Knight Riders Royal Challengers Bangalore match has been postponed. All sorts of chaos in India. How much longer will they persist With the tournament. Manchester United's Premier League match against Liverpool was postponed as well after United fans forced their way inside Old Trafford and onto the pitch to protest against the club's owners, the Glazer family. A policeman was slashed in the face with a bottle outside the famous stadium. Well, 100 United fans as well took to the pitch, some letting off flares. I think all football fans should unite today behind what Manchester United fans have done. Because honestly, what they did two weeks ago was really dangerous for English football. We must not forget that. They tried to walk away and create a closed shot league that would have basically created a famine, a famine in this country for every other football club. An emotional Jack Miller has won the Spanish GP. The Aussie breaking down after securing his second career win five years after his first.
2: Turn 13, safely negotiated for the Wizard of Oz here in Spain, Jack Miller. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. He's done it! Miller wins in the MotoGP race here in Jerez.
1: Lewis Hamilton secured his second Formula One win of the season in Portugal, while Dan Ricciardo saved some face after a disastrous qualifying performance to finish ninth. And Sir
2: Lewis Hamilton's been night and day ahead of the rest here in Portimao this afternoon.
1: He wins the Portuguese Grand Prix. And Sam Kerr's Chelsea have booked a spot in the final of the Women's Champions League after overcoming Bayern Munich 6-3 on aggregate. Sam Kerr and her Blues teammates will now face Barcelona in the decider. Let's grab a jumper, shall we? We're in this together for the next hour. I'm not talking to you as they say. I'm talking with you. one 736 736 or 433 98 16 You're always welcome here. What stirred you over the weekend in sport? What angered you? What excited you? What did you love? On the show this evening, we'll have the Coach's Corner, often the best press conferences of the week, and they're never really explored. And we'll present the Magoos report as well. Injuries remain a big talking point, don't they, in the competition this year? And we'll bring you up to speed on who is putting their hands up in the second-tier competitions across the VFL, Waffle and the Sandful. And we will also close out the show with our regular segment, What Grinds Your Gears? You know what really grinds my gears? Of course, it's your chance to get something off your chest that you've stewed on all Monday. Work and life got in the way? Well, we'll play counsellor to whatever is grinding your gears from the weekend a little later on in the show, and I'm sure I can predict a couple of them. But let's start with this, shall we? The AFL is tonight... On the cusp of moving Sunday's Fremantle-Brisbane game to the Gabba. Now, the league is only awaiting a decision from the Queensland government on granting the Dockers entry to the state. That's Queensland Health. So should, as expected, that permission be granted, the AFL will move the match as the threat of another COVID lockdown hovers over Perth. The Lions, for their part... Well, tonight they expect the game to be played in Brisbane in what would be their second relocated game in eight rounds. The Dockers, they played North Melbourne in front of empty stands in round six before losing to West Coast on Sunday in front of no fans. And the Premier, Mark McGowan, there said the risk of a crowd at either of those games was too great with live cases in the community. Both of those clubs as well. Fremantle saying they lost more than a million. West Coast, more than $2 million in revenue as a result. The Fremantle... Brisbane relocation would form part of a fixture switch between the clubs that would see the Lions' round 21 meeting with Fremantle move the other way from the Gabba to Optus Stadium. And obviously, as you can understand, both clubs are eager to have a decision made given the travel arrangements needed. Brisbane had planned to catch a charter flight to Perth on Saturday before boarding the return plane after the game on Sunday night that would have seen them land in Queensland in the early hours of Monday morning. That schedule is now in front of the Dockers. The Lions have a six day break before their round nine assignment against Gold Coast. And Chris Fagan's men have already seen their round three meeting with Collingwood move from the Gabba to Marble due to a COVID outbreak in Brisbane. So the corresponding round 22 match between the Lions and Pies, which is originally set for Marvel, will now be played at the Gabba. Now that did give the Lions four consecutive home games leading into the finals until this likely round 21 switch with Fremantle that we speak of. Scans today confirm the worst for Adam Tomlinson and the Demons. The defender needs a full knee reconstruction. His promising season is now over. Tomlinson went down in the first quarter of Sunday's match against North Melbourne in Hobart. Geez, it was a innocuous contest, wasn't it? And he fell immediately to clutch his left knee. Now, by the way, that wasn't Tomlinson on a phone in the rooms, as some people may have thought on Sunday. He was about to eat a muesli bar. We can clear that one up. But on Sunday, after he went down... Forward Tom McDonald went back to fill the hole. And now Simon Goodwood and company have a decision to make, don't they? Do they threaten to hurt the chemistry that has them as the only undefeated side in the comp after seven rounds by returning McDonald to defence? And perhaps promoting Sam Wiedemann to partner Ben Brown in the forward line? Or does Harrison Petty get another chance? Is Mad Jack Dorr a wild card for this spot in the second half of the season? And what did we make of Ben Brown's debut in the red and the blue? Five disposals, two goals, soccer off the ground and a free kick. Only his first look at it, of course. Ben Mackay was his opponent and has taken some scalps for North Melbourne this year. Well, Melbourne legend Gary Lyon was underwhelmed by Ben Brown's performance this morning on SEN Breakfast.
2: I'm not convinced on Ben Brown just yet. So, In what way? Well... I know it's only one... Structurally game or... No, no. Him. His physical... So he couldn't get any separation. He could yeah. not get... And and his game is hit up, lead, hit up, lead. Yeah. Right? And that's his first game back, so you give him time. But he couldn't get separation on um, Mackay. It's Mackay. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the MCG might help him. But I'm not. do not... Don't... don't Pencil that in in your thick, thick texter just yet. This is the way I think it might work out. McDonald and Wiedemann will still be your two forwards. Uh, Petty might be the one that goes back. Who played some? He played in their absence there a week or two ago, and I know they like him.
3: So you're saying Wiedemann and McDonald and yep. no Brown in the forward line.
2: Wiedemann, McDonald, Jackson with the, with Fritsch and Pickett and the one of Melchim Spargo. So
3: their prize recruit
0: won't get a game.
2: Well, I'm in just, your team. Um, at the moment I'm not. I'm not sold. I know a lot of people are going, right? Oh, there's Ben Brown for the rest of the year. If it is great, because he's earned his spot there and that'll be really good for Melbourne. But I'm I'm not I'm not sold just yet. I'd like and, and that's not riding him off. It's only one game.
1: That's Gary Lyon off the back of that one game. But that thought was shared somewhat by the Essen and great Matthew Lloyd, who had this to say on the AFL websites Access All Areas. On Ben Brown, uh, we've got to give it time. Yeah but
0: I'm not sure it's going to work this year. Really? I think that uh, he, he plays a certain way, Ben Brown. He couldn't get separation off his man. He kicked a couple, but I'm not sure come finals time whether he'll be in it uh, because uh, I think they, they probably work better with the mo- mobile forward line that they had previous. To, to me, he's too good a player. Yeah. If they get back onto the MCG, mm. if he's fully yeah. fit, he, he will
4: have a role to play, yeah. and a significant one, the way I read it, but he needs to yeah. be fit, and he may not uh, yet be.
1: Matthew Lloyd there on the AFL website. The push for Thursday night teams is as strong as ever. Now, this is being discussed at the moment at AFL HQ. Gillian McLaughlin even said on Friday that he missed the Thursday night team unveiling. It's a part of our week, isn't it? It's in our psyche, our routine, and its absence Off the back of last year's COVID season, where games often came thick and fast during the week, has upset a lot of you. The league today, if you missed it, put a poll up on Twitter asking you when you prefer to get the teams. Thursday night or 24 hours out were the options. It's had, as we go to air here this evening, nearly 10,000 replies. And at the moment... It's 94.5% in favour of Thursday night. Now, speaking to the AFL earlier today, they point to the fact that of the 63 games so far, there has been only one late change. One. And the obvious suggestion or conclusion to make from that, of course, was that that's only possible because their teams are named only 24 hours out. One club today told me sometimes that they still have two training sessions to conduct after being forced to name their team on a Thursday night. And their opinion was that historically teams were named on Thursday night after the teams had finished training back in the day. And they argue the 24 hours out is a long overdue example of moving with the times. That's the counter view, if you like. And as we cast forward to round eight, we have a showdown. This Saturday night at Adelaide Oval, Port Adelaide, Adelaide, 100% capacity at the Adelaide Oval. It'll be a great spectacle. But I ask you this after everything we've heard and the anger on both sides, will the power just send a big up yours to Collingwood and the AFL and involve the prison bar jumper somehow? Wear it in the warm up? Something in the crowd? What should they do? David Koch, the chairman of the Port Adelaide Football Club, admitted the league had told him that the four points would be stripped from the power should they beat the Crows and wear the prison bar strip. But can they do something else? How would you do it if you are at Port Adelaide and you wanted to send a message? 1-300-736-736-0433-9811-16. And on Twitter, we can be found at, at time on sem. Uh, S-E-N. Jack's just texting. Hey, Sam, just want your thoughts on Carlton's young players. Cunningham, uh, especially. I like David Cunningham, Jack. He's dynamic, isn't he? He's got some good speed on the ball. And I think he offers Carlton something different. And he's part of a collection of players there at the Blues that, for a whole variety of reasons, haven't got a run at it. Whether it be form, whether it be fitness, whether it be none of those, just purely where they pick to play in the side which has been a real bone of uh, contention, hasn't it, at the Blues. Enzo's rung in and been very patient. Let's uh, go to Echuca and have a chat to Enzo. How you doing, Enzo?
0: I'm doing great. Uh, I was going to say something and all of the things you brought up. I wanted to touch on a few of those things. Um, I want to give the uh, knee-jerk reaction um, shock jock award to uh, Gary uh, Lyon. Um, I didn't think he was a shock jock, but obviously he wants to beat uh, Kane Corns as the resident shock jock at SEN. Um, uh, ben Brown will be fine. And with uh, Tomlinson going down, I think uh, you might find McDonald would be fine back because in the past when he was playing back, he had to be the number one uh, backman. Now that he's number three behind uh, Lever and um, May, he can he can slide in quite perfectly with that Tomlinson role. And uh, Weedham will come in. So before line Wiedemann and Brown... And uh, Fitch, uh, it will be fine. Um, yeah, and uh, I wanted to. Uh, the first thing I was going to say is uh, I had a pox, pox and rocks for um, uh, for your know, previous uh, for um, Bob and Annie Mar and uh, yep. yeah, and uh, my my pox was the first half of Melbourne's um, performance against North Melbourne, and it's a it, it would have been the most worst pox of all time if North Melbourne got up, because I rang up um, your station the other night and I was quite upset that, that anybody even gave North Melbourne a chance to even beat Melbourne. I said it was disgraceful, it was insulting to Melbourne and, um, and, that, and I said that I would work a whole week naked and give my whole week's wage if North Melbourne got up and won. That's how impossible it was.
1: Well, good on you, Enzo. Geez, you would have been nervous then, I reckon, at some point. I wonder if you would have backed that up. Uh, nevertheless, I'm sure you're relieved. It'll be interesting to see what the Demons do in- anyway, won't it? You clearly think uh, they should uh, swing uh, Tommy McDonald back. I just wonder if they might resist the urge there, keep him forward and bring Harris and Petty in. Anyway, they've got some options. Tom's in Berwick. He's got an early idea for us, I think, when it comes to the Port Adelaide uh, prison bar and what they might do on Saturday night. How you doing, Tommy? Yeah, g'day, man. I'm
3: doing quite well, thank you. Um I- <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand what it's all about. I'm an impartial supporter. I Go for North Melbourne. Why? Why can't they just wear the prison bars? Like everyone knows it's Port Adelaide. Everyone knows it's not Collingwood. And it, it is a it is a showdown game. Is, if I was a Port Adelaide supporter, I'd be filthy. And then my, my, my little little idea was, how about they wear it during the warm up, during the quarter time break and three quarter time break for the supporters to see. Only during the breaks, and then come out for the game in the regular strip.
1: No, I like it, Tom. Nice suggestion. Uh, Thanks for your call this evening on Time On. Jared, Greg, Brendan, and and the rest who have called in this morning. Vinny, just sit tight for a moment. We'll take a break and come to you on the other side of that. And just as before we do, Aaron's text in. Sam, please tell me the golden pen was on the table at Icon Park this morning waiting for Big Harry. Five years. Get it done, Aaron. You're going to have to be patient. That wasn't. And uh, I'm told it might not come for the next little period of time either. There's a bit to work out there when it comes to Harry Mackay's contract. And not so much whether he stays or goes, but just the length of that contract. And we might find out just how much faith he has about the path forward for the Blues. They might have a big month or so ahead of them, the Carlton Football Club. After this break as well, we'll conduct the Magoos report. Who's coming through the ranks in the VFL, the Sandful and the Waffle and pushing their case for selection. A number of uh, players on the fringes of your clubs putting their hand up over the weekend. And your calls and texts, as I say, on the other side of this, we're often running on time on on a Monday. We'll be back with more right after this. On SEN, your home of sport. Time on. Yes, great to have your company on Time On. Sam Edmund with you. I mentioned the IPL and Pat Cummins before we went to our first break. All sorts of swirling news reports over there. Some claiming uh, that Pat Cummins has tested positive, some saying he's simply in isolation. So we'll wait for that to flesh itself out as the evening unfolds. Regardless, that match tonight between Royal Challengers Bangalore and the Kolkata Knight Riders has been postponed as a result. We threw a number of topics at you off the top, didn't we? Relocated fixtures, Port Adelaide uh, jumpers and all sorts of issues. Jared is in Frankston. He wants to talk about what the power might do with a showdown this Saturday night. How are you doing, Jared? Good Sam, yourself? I'm going well, thank you. Thanks for the call.
3: Yep. Look, Sam, all we have got to do, Port can overcome this pretty quickly and Colin we won't have a say in it. If Port just add a little bit of teal to that jumper, the band across the cup, make instead of white, put teal there, two teals down the middle, the rest black and white. That solves the whole problem they get their prison bars and everyone's happy
1: no don't mind it Jared the only problem is they want black and white which is a small small problem but uh, no I like I actually like Sammy McClure's tweet uh, over the weekend a bit of a cheeky one how can uh, Port Adelaide not wear the prison bars when uh, Essendon and Collingwood are wearing the same jumpers on Anzac Day I didn't mind that one Greg's in uh, Blackburn Greg you, you want to talk about um, Adam Tomlinson?
5: Uh, g'day, Sam. Firstly, with Benny Brown. He kicked two goals. He missed one from 55, just dropped short. He did a really smart tap. And uh, we've got a plethora of riches, uh, so riches, yep. So that's pretty good. Um, i do a bit of lip-reading. I noticed um, that Jake Lever went up to Tomlinson at the end of the game. And if I can lip-read right, he said, I will guide you through this, mate. And I really like that. Because obviously, you he knew he'd done his ACL. And obviously, Lever's done it. And I just really like that, what he... What he said.
1: That's beautiful, isn't it, Greg? If that's in fact what what took place, Jake Lever is a great leader at that football club, and um, oh, a great personality on Jake Lever as well. And. Yeah, he was devastated, wasn't he, Adam Tomlinson? Just done so much hard work playing such a specific and an important role too for that side because it was helping Jake Lever get off his man and intercept and do what he does so well, Jake Lever. So, now that's beautiful, Greg, and well picked up by you. Brendan wants to talk about the same topic, Adam Tomlinson down in Hobart there. Brendan, thanks for the call. Right,
5: Sam, well.
1: Hey, you well? Hi, I'm going well, thanks. That's right. Yeah,
5: I'm going for you. Um... Obviously, coming into 2020, you know, COVID season, he was played out of position and he just never really looked settled until, you know, the public got together and said, Oh, well, he's a defender, let's play him in his position. And as his last call, I say, saying with Jake Lever, it's got a lot of 2018 about it with Jake Lever going down. I'm pretty sure I ran about the same sort of time doing his ACL um, in 2018
4: doing, you know, with Jake Lever. Um, so I just hope they can find that restructure uh, quickly because I don't know there's any sort of they're
5: talking Harry Petty up but I'm not sure he's the right sort of person to bring in the way he played against Hawthorne he just didn't look at the level so I'm just concerned about the replacement and that sort of thing uh, but I'm, yeah I'm Absolutely gutted for Tomo. To He's been playing
1: so well for us. So. Yeah, good on you, Brendan. He has absolutely. No, it was it was, uh, it was devastating stuff, and the emotion spilled over, didn't they? Before we get to the Magoo's report, we got Vinny and Michael on standby here. Vinny, thanks for the call. You there, Vinny? We might have lost you, Vinny. Are you there? Get up. Far far away, Vinny. Nah, we might have to come back to Vinny. We lost him. Uh, Michael's in uh, Preston. Mick, how are you doing this evening? Good. How are you? Hey, I'm good, thanks.
6: Look, I can solve the um, problem very easily. The golden, um, irrelevant triad of Collingwood, Carlton and Essendon <laughs> can form their own league. Um, and then they can
1: wear their own jumpers. <laughs> oh, okay. You're solving the uh, prison bar clash. So what? Sort of like a, a a super league of sorts. Well,
6: I don't know if it's super.
1: <laughs> well done, Michael. I got the parting shot, loud and clear. Who do you back for, Mick? Uh,
6: the umpires. Okay. They never
1: lose. <laughs> right. Good on you, Michael. Appreciate the call this evening. Well, the Magoo's report. The brainchild of Benny Lyon in here. So many injuries this year. Just who's coming through and who's playing well in the second-tier competitions. We've picked the eyes out of these from the uh, weekend. Will Setterfield, best on ground. Carlton's 49-point victory over Essendon at Windy Hill. So Will Setterfield, 26 touches and a goal. What about Tom DeConning? The Ruckman coming back, of course, from a back issue. Had some stress-related back issues. 13 touches, 31 hitouts. And Lockie O'Brien and Matt Kennedy also with some promising signs there for the Blues at Collingwood. Draftee Ollie Henry put in another dominant performance in the VFL. That was on Friday, last year's pick 17. He had 22 touches, 13 marks and three goals. Three, he got the six shots at goal as well. And it was a three-point win for the Pies over Gold Coast in the VFL. Speaking of Gold Coast, Will Brody had an absolute belter in this game. He had 41, a game off 41 disposals. Ten tackles in that three-point loss. They couldn't get a taker for him in the trade period, Gold Coast. But Will Brody playing some good football at the second level. Speaking of good football at second-tier level, what about this? Jake Riccardi. Now, a lot of talk about GWS and their forwards and Himmelberg and Finlayson and Hogan's there. Jake Riccardi forced to play in the VFL. Well, given their issues down back, the Giants, he's been moved down back in the second tier competition. And he's responded Jake Riccardi with 40 touches, 19 marks with a best on ground performance, a number of intercept marks in that hall of 19 as well. Jake Riccardi, 40 touches playing key back. Sam Wiedemann for the Ds. Well, he's been uh, beaten to the punch by Ben Brown, but he's followed up his three-goal effort last week. This time he had 17 touches, 10 marks and four goals, three on Thursday. That game you might have seen. It was televised, seven shots a goal for him. Tom Rockliffe, we await the scan results. From Port Adelaide, that was the other big injury over the weekend. And some of you off the text waiting uh, for the verdict on oh, Mitch McGovern. That is a hamstring, no doubt about that. The severity, we don't know yet. But Tom Rockliffe's knee, there are fears it could be an ACL injury there for the Port Adelaide midfielder. They're hoping that it's an MCL. Obviously, a massive difference between the two. But he limped off with that injury late in Port Magpies' 10-goal victory over Woodville West Torrens yesterday. He already had 34 touches by that point. I think he had 41 the week prior as well. So fingers crossed for Tom Rockliffe. Luke Dunstan at St Kilda, again put his hand up for another recall. 35 touches, three goals as well during Sandringham's five-goal loss to Box Hill. So he's collected 35 and kicked three in a 30-point defeat to the Box Hill Hawks. Logan McDonald, Buddy Franklin might be coming back with Dane Rampy, but Logan McDonald put his hand up for a recall as well. Three goals, 14 touches, eight marks in the VFL on Saturday and I reckon Mitch Wallace might be one of the more intriguing storylines of the years. The vice captain of the Western Bulldogs, 10th in last year's best and fairest, probably their best forward last year, it must be said, in a COVID season. Can't get a look in this year, can't get a game. Well, he played in the VFL on Saturday and it was a return to form there. 28 touches in Footscray's 53 point win over the Northern Bullants as well. So. Mitch Wallace putting his hand up there. That has been our Magoo's report. Sam, Joel from St. Andrews' text in, the bounce must go. If you tally up the time lost from the recall bounces throughout the Swans game, you'll have an extra minute of real-time football. Tradition means nothing if it cannot be done properly. I'm with you, Joel. I think the game length, while I feel it's too long, and a lot of people have had their say on this, and... A lot of you don't agree with the fact the game length is too long, but I reckon if you took away some of the things you talk about there, Joel, the bounce, there's the blood rules, there's the score reviews that just seem to go on and on and on. The nominating of Ruckman is something else that takes time unnecessarily, I would have thought, from the game. I reckon if all that can be stripped back, pared back, and we're talking about just the pure... Time of the game, then we might get a little bit closer to the to the uh, the optimal result. But certainly, you can't have a Carlton Brisbane game going for 137 minutes with a 36-minute second quarter and a 37-minute third quarter, and there were a lot of uh, score reviews in that particular game. If Porters serious, take it to the Supreme Court and get it over and done with once and for all. Pity they signed multiple documents. If I was Collingwood, I'd take it to the Supreme Court next time. Port mention it and I know there's fatigue over the um, prison bar strip I've got that fatigue as much as a lot of you I just wonder what Port Adelaide might do this Saturday night for all the anger they showed off the back of this it's hard to imagine they won't do something they're big on their pregame rituals I wonder if the fans will be involved somehow I wonder if the players are into something it's a real watch this space for mine on Saturday night as uh, Port Adelaide look to get back on the winners list don't they they were touched up by the Brisbane Lions. And just before we get to the the break, repeating that news off the top, I think the AFL will tonight decide once the Queensland uh, government, Queensland Health give the final approval that that Brisbane Dockers match for this uh, weekend will be relocated on the Sunday from Optus Stadium to the Gabba in a fixture swap, given they meet again in round 21. We'll take a break here on Time On. We'll come back with this with the coaches' Corner, some of the best grabs from the relevant coaches from the weekend. And also get your nominations coming through. Let the thought marinate with you as well. We're going to play a little bit of Grind My Gears. What we'll ground your gears over the weekend of footy? Something that you want to get off your chest. That's still ahead of us as well.
0: On SEN, your home of sport, time on.
1: Yes, great to have your company on time on Sam Edmund with you. We spoke a bit about injuries earlier, didn't we? Well, we didn't speak about Trent Cotcher. Now, he's obviously been scanned on that hamstring injury. I'm led to believe it's on the minor end, very minor hamstring injury. But given the Richmond captain's history with hamstrings, he did one last year, multiple hamstring issues in 2019. Did I have I think, again in 2018 they're going to be really conservative. Hard to see Trent Cochin coming back within, I would have thought, the next month of football, given the stage of the season that we're at. And also, curiously, Richmond have just released their injury report, which contains star defender Dylan Grimes, who the Tigers say developed concussion symptoms on Saturday following the side's win over the Western Bulldogs. But medicos at Richmond were unable to pinpoint a particular incident in which could have been the cause, but... He's shown symptoms there, and he'll now have to uh, fulfill the 12-day stand-down period, if you like. So, uh, no grimes, no Trent Cochin for the grand final rematch against Geelong on Friday night. Off the text, any news on the MRO? No, there is still no news on the MRO. Curiously, I did note that uh, the MRO uh, decisions for the Friday and the Saturday matches of Round 7 came out. What time was it? 6.44pm Sunday evening. So perhaps if we're uh, all about consistency we might get the Sunday games delivered to us sometime in the next 10 minutes. While we wait for that let's go to Ashwood where we've got Old Mate who wants to talk about the Port Adelaide Strip. How you doing, Old Mate?
6: Hey, good mate. How
1: you going? Good, Old Mate. What's happening?
6: Oh, look. uh, There's a bit bit of uh, confusion about the uh, Wharf Pylon skirmsey. Now, I'm I I keep bringing up and I keep saying this. Um, The mainstream media has deliberately uh, said that uh, uh, they've they've referred to our jumper as the prison bars jumper. No Port Adelaide fan will ever refer to it as that. It it has never been referred to as the prison bars. And it will never be referred to as the prison bars. It is the Wharf Pylons Guernsey. That's what it is.
4: Wharf Pylons.
6: Yes, yes, mate. Because, um, you know, obviously prison bars has got uh, negative connotations to it. Um mm. now look, I just wanted to I just wanted to set some myths about the um the legality of the situation regarding this jump straight, okay? Now, in we're gonna go back to 1995 when uh, Port Adelaide before they entered the competition. Now um Collingwood had a president by the name of Alan McAllister, and he's actually signed an agreement and an undertaking, which was signed by the, the inaugural president of uh, Port Adelaide before we come into the competition. I think it was, oh, I can't remember what it was. I've uh, topped the head, I can't remember. The document exists, though. I've seen it. A lot of other people have seen it. And it basically stipulated if Port Adelaide, if Port Adelaide were to rank higher than Collingwood in three consecutive years, uh, in the AFL-VFL competition, then Collingwood's objections to Port Adelaide wearing the Wharf pylons jumper would be waived. Okay, now we've done that many times. We've ranked higher than Collingwood. You know, uh, you look back in the history, mate. So since since uh, I think 1999, actually, those objections have been waived. Now Eddie McGuire, I'm just going to say this, mate. I've had enough of this guy. Right? He's a he's a pest. Okay.
1: He can- all right, old mate, we'll leave it there. Now I appreciate your passion as well. And as I say, you're more than welcome to have your say on the issue. We can go around in circles on the legalities of it all. And I can see both sides from my point of view. I was just more intrigued about what might take place Saturday night. Hey, uh, just uh, sit tight, Shane and Arthur, just quickly. We better get to the coach's corner. Uh, we'll start it and we'll come with you uh, to you soon, Shane. We'll start with David Teague as well, if you missed it. Geez, he was pretty optimistic, the Carlton coach, after their win over the Bombers. And he actually said that he believed the Blues best can beat anyone. I think we've played three of the top four from last year and, and we haven't got the job done. So that's our
0: next step as a group. Um, I think we need to play a bit better. I think we've got to keep getting better, particularly from a from a defensive point of view. Um, I thought our ball use improved early on. It probably was a bit off, but improved throughout the game. But from a defensive point of view, to beat these teams, you, you can't give them too many looks. And I, I think we've got to get better. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really confident that if we play near our best, and that's our challenge, to go out there and play near our best, that we can beat beat the Bulldogs or beat Melbourne next week or whoever we play, I think our best is good enough to beat anyone. It's The challenge is going out there and executing under pressure.
1: David Teague there after Carlton's win over Essendon. A shootout at the MCG, wasn't it? Right on cue if you don't mind. The AFL uh, has just released their match review findings or the final findings of Sunday games from Round 7 and the, the watch this space was always going to be on Bailey Fritch, wasn't it? The high fend off down at Hobart against the impressive North Melbourne youngster, Tom Powell. Well, Bailey Fritch has been charged with striking. It was in the second quarter, of course, and he's been offered a one-match sanction with an early plea. So this is a blow for the Demons. The incident was assessed as careless conduct, medium impact, and high contact. The incident, the AFL says, was classified as a one-match sanction as a first offence. Mitch McGovern, he was charged with striking Nick Hine. That's a a $1,500 fine with an early plea. Mitch was also charged uh, was charged twice with striking Nick Hine, $1,500 sanction with an early plea for both of those. And the other one concerned Angus Brayshaw, who was charged with tripping Connor Menadue um, uh, during the second quarter of that game down in Hobart as well. And he can accept a $2,000 sanction with an early plea. So there you go. Bailey Fritch offered a match for that high fend-off where... Uh, he uh, collected Tom Powell around uh, the Chops and the North Melbourne youngster sinking uh, to the ground, uh, briefly anyway, off the back of that one. Shane is on the road. We'll just depart from the coach's corner for a moment. Shane, you've been very patient. You want to talk about the, the class trip of, of Port Adelaide?
3: Yeah, hi, Sammy. Loving the program tonight, mate. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. Um, yeah, look, I'd I see it a little bit differently too. I'm a, I'm a one-eyed swan supporter, but... I think that um you know Port Adelaide have a stunning um, stunning uh you know prison bars or whatever you want to call them. I think they should wear them every round with the exception of the Collingwood round when they play them. Right. I think that uh you know you have a look at North Melbourne, Geelong and and Collingwood and they all had very 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 similar uniforms at one stage or another for the last 80 years. But That's just my view. I think they should be able to wear their jumper. I think it's an outstanding jumper. I don't think it clashes with Collingwood in any way, shape, or form, or North Melbourne for that fact. I think it's a beautiful jumper. I think they should be allowed to wear it, putting contracts and legalities aside.
1: Yeah, no, good on you, Shane. And I don't think the general supporters fussed either way, are they? I'm not even 100% convinced Collingwood supporters are that bothered by it. Uh, Should they not be playing Collingwood, of course, as you say, Arthur's in Eltham. He can have the final say on the prison bar before we get into the rest of the, the coach's corner from the weekend's games. How are you doing there, Arthur? Oh, yeah, I'm
6: good. I'm good, thank you. Thanks for taking the call. Um, I haven't heard what... Look, it's been done for death, obviously. But there's one yeah. thing I haven't heard is I don't think it's about the prison bars. I think it's the fact that they, they want to be the Port Adelaide Magpies and they're not in our competition. So they're, they're a South Australian team, not a Victorian team. It's going to start with the prison bars. It's going to end up being the port Adelaide magpies, and the, but there is only one magpies. That's it. So it's the end of discussion. There's no, there's no stripes. There's no magpies. There's no black and white because that's just the thin, that's the thin edge. No, so well, just, go back to South Australia. Go back to South Australia. <laughs>
1: okay, I'll, all right. You t- took it a bit far at the tail end there, but no, it has been done to death and it's been debated. I cannot believe we're still having the debate. To be honest with you, but it doesn't appear to be going away in a hurry, does it? So. That's why I just wonder on Saturday night, surely it's hard to imagine the game just gets played like it never happened. I wonder what Port will do with it. Anyway, the coach's corner, Nathan Buckley. This was always going to be an interesting press conference off the back of that shocking loss to the Gold Coast Suns and their inability to defend was the talk out of that game as the Pies slumped to one and six. It was the uh, the coach of Collingwood, Nathan Buckley.
5: We've built our, um, our DNA on defending really well and... Clearly our offence, or going forward, has been an area of improvement, but you know, I may be focusing on that. We've, we've lost our, um, the DNA of you know, defending the ground really well. They just were able to move the ball through us a lot easier than we would have liked.
1: We've mused over what might happen uh, at Melbourne to replace Adam Tomlinson tonight, haven't we? And uh, just repeating, those scans have confirmed the worst. That's a full ACL and a full reconstruction and season over, unfortunately, for Melbourne's key defender. Well, Simon Goodwin, in the immediate aftermath of the match in Hobart, detailed who he thought could replace Adam Tomlinson.
0: It's one of those areas that we've been really strong in and he's done an incredible job to enable us to do the things that we want to do with, you know, May and Lever. But Harrison Petty, who played a few weeks ago, um, you know, he's, he's ready to play some really good AFL footy. Um, so that's exciting for us that he'll get an opportunity. And, and Tom McDonald, as you saw today, we pushed him back um, and he performed really strongly. So we've got a couple of options there that, um, that we'll look at as a,
1: as a coaching group. But, um, yeah, we'll have to restructure a little bit behind the footy. Simon Goodwin there. How did Geelong lose to Sydney on Saturday night, I ask you? The stats, a frightening set of statistics if you're Barrett for Geelong and indeed the coaching staff, hard to imagine that wouldn't have kept them up at night. 65 inside 50s to 39, if you don't mind. And the contested possession tally, 151 to 118. You don't see this too often. And then they they lose in the most controversial of circumstances – Chris Scott, this was him post-match.
5: Well, try to be a bit glass half full. That's always a challenge when you're so disappointed in a result like that. But um, if I stay with the glass half full approach, it's unusual to dominate a game like that statistically uh, and not get the result. So I think... You know, without reeling off too many stats and plus 26 inside 50s, you don't even lose when that happens. And, you know, plus 80, 90 possessions, you know, virtually every statistical measure um, was our way, scoring shots by eight. The other side of it is there's no good saying, oh, look, we played really well. We're just in execute because execution's a key part.
1: I reckon that game's going to get a fair run out on the footy programs tonight, isn't it? As will Collingwood's loss to the Gold Coast Suns. Get set for plenty of behind-the-goals vision when it comes to Collingwood and their defensive intent against the freewheeling Suns, who just able to transition the football with ease at the MCG. Frightening ease, if you don't mind. That's our glimpse at the coach's corner for tonight. On the other side of this... It's my favourite, time. What grinds your gears? Give us give us a couple of nominations. Give us a call. one 736 736 What bugged you over the weekend?
4: Very laid back, very sound. Clearly improved um, with racing, so um, we'll push on.
0: Bensley,
1: live Monday to Thursday mornings on SEN Track.
0: On SEN, your home of sport. Time on.
1: Yes, indeed. Before we get to what's grinding Yorkies, Michael and South Morang just texted in during the break with an interesting question that I'll be honest off the top. I don't have the answer to, but Michael ponders, is Bailey Fritz the first player to be reported for striking when he had the ball? My immediate response would be to say, surely not. Surely this has happened before, but Michael, I can't, well, nothing comes to mind, does it? Without going into a deep dive on whether it's happened before, nothing comes to mind. If, you can think of an example: one 16 Bailey Fritz, the first player to be reported for striking when he had the ball. Surely not, but a good question, Michael. Nonetheless, let's uh, change tack, shall we? Before we leave you, this is the way we finish the show. Just let's go with this.
0: You know what really grinds my gears? No, God, please,
1: no, no think somebody owes us an explanation, that's all. Are you too good
0: for your home?
1: Answer me! Yes, what grinds your gears? Mark is in Sydney, wants to open it up. How you doing there, Mark? Good, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for ringing in. Well, thanks for having me. What
4: grinds my gears is I think yes, Eddie's not president of Collingwood anymore but back when he was, I think him and the Collingwood suits now are making something out of nothing with this whole furor over the I thought one of your callers previously put it rather well where he said the Wharf Pylons jersey, not the Prison Bar's (laughs) jersey that Port wants to wear. And because it's not like Port Adelaide were asking to wear it as a regular season uh, jersey all the way through the season. As Koshy said in a uh, story that was released earlier this week, we aren't asking to wear it as a regular home or away Guernsey or even outside of South Australia. Cross said Port Adelaide had only requested to wear the Guernsey and Showdown matches between the Crows and Port. So Mm. what's the problem? Mm. You know, it's like, why did they even need to draw up contracts to use it in the first place? It's just Eddie Chuck and a hissy fit trying to hang on to, um, you know, what he thinks is a Collingwood exclusive thing. It's like, for crying out loud, you wouldn't do it with any other club in the AFL because, I mean... You know, it's just like, if you look at the design of the Wharf Pylon jersey, it's totally different from the Collingwood jersey. You know, Collingwood goes like white, black, white, black, white, black. This one goes black, white, black, white, black, white. The (laughs) bars are even more narrower than they are on the Collingwood jersey, and they have a flat motif in white across the top of the jersey, and the jersey is black above that.
1: So hang on, Mark. You're you're saying Collingwood are uh, continuing this narrative as as what? Some form of uh, distraction.
4: Well, distraction, hissy fit. Um, But
1: Port are driving the bus here, surely. Port are the ones that want to wear it, and Collingwood are only responding to that, aren't they?
4: Well, put it this way. It's like um, Eddie's threatened to take it to the federal court. And um, the Collingwood and the AFL have laid down, um, shall we say, verdicts saying that Port can't wear the jersey in the situations they want to in matches against the Crows. And I reckon they're just making something out of nothing. It's like they're just they're just trying to hang on to the, uh, shall we say, the prison bars design out of just it's ours and no one else can use it. It's kind of like Gollum with the ring out of Lord of the Rings, you know. It's like my precious, and they won't let anybody else use it. You know, it's like (laughs) totally stupid in my opinion.
1: All right, Mark, I appreciate the call. What grinds your gears? Clearly, that's grinding Mark's gears. Luke Beveridge persisting with Zane Cordy. Grinds my gears, says Tim. Grinding my gears. Luke and Karen has thrown this one up. And I reckon you'd have some company here, Luke. These idiots in charge of the IPL. How ridiculously and careless. How ridiculous and careless. Luke and Karen there. Uh, Coming back to this question from Michael. Is Bailey Fritz the first player to be reported for striking when he had the ball? Well, a text has just come in. Didn't Toby Green have the ball when he kicked... Mitch Wallace in the head. Well, it wasn't Mitch Wallace. It was Luke Dowhouse in, I think, 2017. Marvel Stadium, as it's now known, he took possession, and it was the fly kick, and there was a rule instigated off the back of that. You are dead right. Toby Green had possession of the ball. Trent Cotchin on Dylan Shear. Well, I thought they were coming together to uh, to collect the ball together there. To be honest, I don't think Trent Cotchin had possession of the ball. Tony Lockett on Peter Caven. No, Tony Lockett certainly didn't have the ball. He was leading out to take the ball decided at the last minute that he wouldn't try to do that, Pete. He'd instead try to flatten Peter Caven, which he did a pretty good job of too, it must be said. Um, nevertheless, I think we can all agree on the fact that it is mightily rare. And Bailey Fritch now and Melbourne actually have a decision to make. Would they challenge that? or will they accept the one-match sanction? He's been a beautiful player, hasn't he? 18 goals, six on the weekend, and uh, maybe a smoky for an early uh, place in the All-Australian squad of 40. Thanks for your time this evening. It's been Time On. Plenty happening around the place. Plenty happening tonight on the footy shows as well. Hope you have a great week and a great weekend uh, to come, and we'll see you back here for Time On next Monday, 6 o'clock. Stay well.